It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 118, Seven Characters and a Sword. 1 Kings 3.16 Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, Pardon me, my lord. This woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I was looking at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, No, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, No, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The word used here is they argued, but I don't think that's strong enough. There must have been insane emotion present with these screaming ladies. This is not Judge Judy or Night Court. This must have been extremely emotional. Any normal man would have struggled keeping it all together. For one woman killed her son in the night by rolling over him. The other lady woke up with a dead child in her bed and her baby stolen from her. These are prostitutes and women with little training of judicial matters or affairs of how to speak before a king bleeding for justice. If you've never heard this story before, I am so happy for you. I remember when I first heard this story and many of the other great Bible stories because the brilliance of them marvels the soul. In this case, we see one of the greatest acts of justice that I have ever found in world history, and Solomon will be the one who delivers the verdict. And as he asks God for wisdom to judge between right and wrong, here it is before him. His decision will impact a life forever. Whose child is this? So before we advance into the story and what Solomon does, consider what you would do or how this could go down if you were the judge. And to add more impact, did you catch that one of the ladies had a three-day-old son when the other lady had her son? It stated this occurred on the third day. Here's another one of those third-day references, which implies resurrection power. Solomon, the judge, displays such a level of discernment and wisdom, we can only imply he is the equivalent of the mind of Christ at this moment, in supernatural wisdom, for with one command... He awed the known world and shown there was a God in Israel, and he was with his king. Consider this and how it applies to you and me. Solomon prayed for wisdom and God answered. But first, he sets him up to show off the wisdom that was given to him. If you pray for something, don't be surprised if you're immediately presented with a challenging opportunity to display new wisdom and faith. All right. Picture the scene now if you can. These two women were probably screaming, I mean screaming at each other, and grasping for the baby while a dead baby lay at the feet of Solomon. 
So whenever the women finally quit screaming at each other, you hear the baby erupt in blood-curdling cries. Everyone in the court was staring at the scene before them. The witnesses in the court were very curious how this was going to go down with their young new king. Old faithful Beniah was probably right there next to Solomon, staring at these women and back at Solomon. What is this young king going to do? He probably wondered. Thank God I am not king, he probably thought. The women continued to scream at each other and pleaded with Solomon almost like a movie scene. Solomon probably tuned them out. Next he stood up, and the example of the spiritual gift of the word of wisdom and the spirit of wisdom came out of Solomon. 1 Kings 3.23 The king said, This one says, My son is alive, and your son is dead. While this one says, No, your son is dead, and mine is alive. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought the sword to the king. Then he gave an order, Cut the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. This order was probably given to Benaiah, who stared at the king. Are you serious? Solomon probably sat down and consented to his curious look of questioning. Do it. He communicated with his hand, probably. So this is where I've got to talk about the artwork of this episode. I pull a painting from the net that just freaks me out. Most of the paintings of this scene have the baby naked, and the guard picks up the child by the foot and holds back his sword as if he's going to perform the deed. And the women are reacting, and Solomon was watching them. It's just a heart-wrecking scene of judgment, and the women react. 1 Kings 3.26 The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of her love for her son and said to the king, Please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. Was Solomon going to cut the baby in two? Gosh, no. Clearly, Solomon framed these women, and the implication is a true mother would sacrifice her own desires for her own child. His life is worth more than her desires to mother him. A bitter woman, a person who has not received forgiveness and has bitterness in her heart from the death of her child, would hopefully not want the same for others. But in this case, the guilty react in cruelty and hatred betrayed her heart. Solomon, in his wisdom, discerned the spirit at work in each woman and pursued a course of action to expose those spirits and separate the truth from the lie. This is an element of wisdom we need to understand, which is sometimes called the spiritual gift of discernment. While wisdom to me is the physical application of the correct knowledge and understanding, Wisdom and knowledge and understanding all tie together in the book of Proverbs. Yet in this scene, we get the feel that Solomon went even further. He appeared to have had spiritual knowledge as well to the spiritual forces at work in front of him. This is later termed by the Apostle Paul's the gift of discernment. In this case, knowledge is hard facts. Two women are claiming a living baby and someone most likely killed their baby in the night. Understanding implies in this case there is a court of law, Solomon must have a solution. Someone is lying and someone is telling the truth. 
A wise man with a wise solution would have an answer to this dilemma. The practical application of this knowledge with the correct understanding exposes the liar and will give the baby to the rightful mother. Adding to this, Solomon discerned the deceiver and the truthful mother. All he had to do was to arrange a scene or a set of questions to expose the truth in this scene. The threat of violence and death immediately exposed the hearts of the two women and the rightful mother. The effect of this scene was astounding, like the greatest media blitz possible for a king. Righteous justice spread like a fire in a dry forest. Again, I can see it like a movie with overhead shots and maps and zooms in on people and the reciting of the story from house to house to village to village to city to city to country to country. News of heavenly inspired justice flowed through the land bringing freedom to the hearts and minds of people. It's almost like a, when a person realizes that a king has the ability to discern right and wrong to such a level, it brings a fear of the Lord upon the people that they don't want to commit crimes for their king will find them out. From this point forward, we see extreme manifestations of the favor of God and the favor of man on Solomon. 1 Kings 3.28 When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, let's discuss symbolism here, this scene, and what it meant to Israel and you and I. I don't normally do this, but I want to call this scene Seven Characters and a Sword. For in this episode, there's seven characters, two people, a judge, a guard, two babies, and a group of witnesses, and a sword. We start with two impoverished sinners. One is repentant. She is like you and me. The repentant harlot is a sinner saved by grace and will someday be a bride. The baby is her new creation discovered as described in the same sentence as the third day. The other is wicked, and she's full of hatred, malice, slander, and willing to accuse you of all kinds of evil. The wicked harlot is the devil, the fallen one, a killer of its own. Nothing new can be created by him. His dark seeds are all stillborn or destined for death and the grave, just like its baby. The sinner, saved by grace, goes with her heart and new soul and runs to the throne of grace and pleads for her life to not be taken from her, while the wicked harlot, the prostitute, the accuser, the brethren, accuses and violates with her words and threatens harm and violence and lies before the judge. All of this while the witnesses in court are watching it all unfold, as we are cheered on by a great cloud of witnesses, according to the author of Hebrews chapter 12. The judge is the court of heaven, and God is seated on the throne. It is the judgment seat of Christ, or the throne of God in heaven. Here decisions are made regarding life and death. The verdict was the sword. The judge speaks to his guard, his angels, to do his bidding, and the guard holds forth the sword. Hebrews 4:12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The sword always divides the truth from the lie. 
The great judge, God himself, applies his word, and immediately the repentant new creation cries out for compassion and mercy and life, while the wicked spew forth violence and death, and justice is served at the mercy seat of God and with the correct application of wisdom and the word of God. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. To wrap this up and set up the next episode, the people of Israel are going to go crazy over this king of theirs. This judgment brought such honor and wisdom to bear that the nation is overwhelmed and Solomon's wisdom spreads throughout the land. Proverbs 29.2 When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. Proverbs 14.34 Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. And here is Matthew Henry's commentary. I just love the way he covers this scene and the impact of one, I mean just one act of justice on one nation. We are told what a great reputation Solomon got among his people by this and other instances of his wisdom, which would have a great influence upon the ease of his government. They feared the king, highly reverenced him, durst not in anything oppose him, and were afraid of doing any unjust thing, for they knew if ever it came before him, he would certainly discover it. For they saw that the wisdom of God was in him, that is, that wisdom with which God has promised to endue him. This made his face shine, Ecclesiastes 8.1. This strengthened him, Ecclesiastes 7.19. This was better to him than weapons of war. Ecclesiastes 9.18, for this was both feared and loved. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we see Solomon prepare for the temple project and we discuss more on the spirit of wisdom. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, or share the Facebook page. Or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.